This is episode 421 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Is Urban Survival Even Possible? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like to get a little bit more information on the ebook or the audiobook, you can come on over to ThePrepperWebsitePodcast.com or click the link in the show notes. All right, so before we get started, I just got to tell you I'm very excited. There is a project that I have been working on. I've kind of, uh, I'm actually drinking coffee right now because I've kind of messed up my sleep schedule working on it, but I'm getting ready to release it. So, you know, it's one of those things where I don't want to talk about it just yet. I'm still putting the finishing touches on it, but because I've been able to do this, it's kind of opened up a lot of other things for me. I was lucky enough to purchase into this piece of software that uh, you know gave me this ability to do this or, or part of what I'm doing. So I'm very excited. And so I'll be sharing that with y'all pretty soon. Uh, hopefully, you know, if it's not in the next couple of days, maybe next week, I'll be sharing uh, this, you know, this thing that I've got going on, which it's going to really open up other possibilities for me later on down the road. So very excited about that. But I am a little tired because I've been focusing on it. I am drinking a little bit of coffee here today. So, uh, you know, just kind of keep me going. So I also want to let you know that I recently put together a article on Ed That Matters. And uh, this is really something that I used to do. I haven't done it probably in about nine months. I used to do it on a regular basis and I just kind of stopped doing it. Uh, But I look at my statistics on Prepper website and I pick the top seven articles for the week. And so by clicks, right? So whatever was popular, people clicked on it um, for whatever reason. I found, you know, I, I look at my statistics, I find the top seven articles and I put them in one blog post. So it's easy for people to go and click on and they can find the most popular uh, articles for Prepper website in the given week. So I know that a lot of you that listen to the podcast are like, man, I don't have time to filter through a lot of articles, but I'm thinking that might be one if you have some time that you might want to go click on because then you can bounce from there and you know you're not filtering through. Uh, you know, We put anywhere between 8 to 12 articles on Prepper website every single day, so you're not filtering through all of those, right? You know, 56 at the minimum, you're just looking at the top seven articles. And so you know that they're going to be good ones. They're all really good ones. I mean, really all the articles we put on Prepper website are really good, but then you're going to get like the cream of the crop when you go to this, uh, this article. So it's the the top seven uh, articles on Prepper website for this last week. I'm going to link to it in the show notes to make it easy for you to get to. If you're interested in that, I know a lot of you still like Todd, I don't read Uh, or I don't have time to read. So that's one reason why I love your podcast because you do give us those articles. You do read uh, those articles for us and we can listen to them when we're on the go. But if you do get a little bit of a chance to do it, yeah, then it's there for you. And so it makes it a little bit 
uh, more convenient, right? All right, so uh, let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from ModernSurvivalOnline.com, and the article is entitled, Is Urban Survival Even Possible? Now, I got to tell you, I was looking at the comments on this article, and there are some people that had some varying opinions on what was written here. And, you know, after I looked at those comments and I reread this article, I really have to agree with the author. Um, There are some challenges to urban survival. A lot of the times people don't think about that. So um, the the one thing I want to point out here, though, is when we're reading articles, really, there should be this like continuum. It would be really great if that if this would happen in the uh, in the preparedness community, where you have over here on the left, you have something that is relevant to any time, right? So this is, article is written for any time, for any place, and this is just good information. All the way over to the very right or to the end of the 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 spectrum of or the continuum, right? where it says, hey, this is uh, information or this is an article that describes a situation when you are in at SHTF, like the zombie apocalypse, right? Like this is it. And uh, there's no going back. Uh, you know, the nuclear war, you know, pandemic flu has completely changed everything. Uh, you know, zombies, what, what, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like for you. And so, you know, that's one thing that uh, I wish every article would have because when you read it and, you know, you can see something like SHTF, that can mean a whole lot of different things for different people. So, you know, SHTF could be something very personal to, you know, someone has their own SHTF moment, or it can go all the way over to SHTF for, you know, like I said, zombie apocalypse, whatever. And so when you read this article, when I'm t- when we're really looking at this one, this is, is one, this article really pertains to a time where, hey, all things have gone. I mean, it's like, you know, here we are. It is truly, you know, the end of the world as we know it type stuff. Because these are things that you really need to take into consideration if you're ever in one of those situations and the poop has really hit the fan and you are living in an urban situation. So keep that in mind when we're reading this and or when I'm when I'm reading this and you're listening to it. And then there's one other thing because there's eight things here that they're going to talk about. There's one more thing that I would like to add uh, onto this one. So let's go ahead and get started. Urban survival is basically an oxymoron. If you have extensive survival or military training, it is possible, but the chances of making it through an SHTF disaster for even an above average person in a city environment is exceedingly slim. There are plenty of reports on the internet attempting to teach you how to survive in in an urban environment and a plethora of others urging you to bug out to the woods. Following the instructions and advice in many of those types of pieces will likely get you and those you love killed. If you are looking for a report that is simply going to reinforce your plans to ride out the apocalypse in a city or to get potentially life-saving advice on how to do it, this article is not going to do that. Nope, it's going to give you the cold hard truth and hopefully the type of brutally honest guidance you need to begin making a feasible plan to survive a long-term disaster. So the top eight reasons why urban survival is impossible. Reason number one, water. Once the power goes out or the grid fails, as it ultimately will in any type of disaster, you will have no way to get water to drink, to wash, 
or for use in food preparation other than rainwater collection. And does it rain every day? No, yet you need to consume water every day. Going without water for three days is long enough to cause severe dehydration or even death. You will not be the only city dweller desperate to set up bowls and buckets on the apartment building rooftop to collect rainwater. Do not think another panicked human being with an equally dire need for water would not kill you over a bucket containing only a few ounces of water. Your only other option for water, because all available bottled water will disappear from store shelves just a few hours after a disaster at best, is using a live straw or similar device to suck water out of any puddle you find. Decorative water features and fountains will contain dirty and likely chemically treated water that a live straw could filter enough to make it safe to drink, but you have to beat hundreds to thousands of other people to the water source first. Guys, I don't think uh, life straws will take chemicals out of water. Um, that's just, I mean, I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't quote me on that, but I'm not sure. So that's something you need to really research on that. So reason number two is food. Now, urban gardening and homesteading is a positive and growing trend, but that food would have to be protected by armed individuals for it not to disappear just about as quickly as water when a disaster hits. Unless you live right next to an urban community garden, the chances of you reaching it before the food is gone or even reaching it safely once the growing plots have been raided are just about zero. Now, Growing food inside your apartment or townhouse or other type of urban dwelling that could even have a tiny backyard would be your saving grace for a brief amount of time. If others in your neighborhood, even folks you think of as friends or nice acquaintances, beat you home from your work, your food source could disappear before you get to harvest what can be pulled and taken and taken inside the home. Now, do not underestimate the desire to stay alive and protect the family that everyone will be feeling. Folks who never thought of stealing anything before in their lives could be reduced to it in an instant. You could always forage even in the city while edibles are growing. But there are several downsides to foraging in an urban environment during an SHTF situation. The first thing to consider is safety. Anytime you are out in the open, you are a target for attack and the theft of whatever you risk your life to find. Second, the weeds and other wild edibles you could find to eat are most likely contaminated with chemical pesticides municipal employees have sprayed to eliminate them from sidewalks and parking lots. You could go to the park to potentially find a greater abundance of wild edibles in one space, but those plants and weeds have also been sprayed with chemical pesticides and the competition for them will increase the danger you will face while bending over to pick them and then tote them home. Reason number three, food preparation. So let's say you were an avid indoor and outdoor vertical gardener who has a crop ready to harvest and was able to scurry it inside before it was taken. Now, what are you going to do with it? Sure, you can eat fruits and veggies raw, but they should be washed first and you have no or precious little water. Did you grow protein-rich crops to help keep you strong and healthy during a disaster? If not, you better have plenty of long-term storage food tucked away inside your limited storage space. Unlike rural or even suburban preppers who understand the value of a survival homestead, you cannot keep even small livestock at your home or have access to hunting and fishing areas to supplement your stockpiled food. 
Most varieties of long-term storage food require the addition of hot water. You do not have a heat source and again, have no or only a tiny and unsustainable amount of water. If you insist upon living in an urban environment and want to prep, your best chance of staving off starvation is to use every single inch of space that you can to stockpile long-term storage food and water. If you live in a small apartment, use floor-to-ceiling wall shelves in each room to store your preps. Will this look very unappealing, especially when non-prepping guests come over? Yep, but do you want to attempt to survive in the city or not? This is the type of stockpiling that will be required to get you through a short-term disaster and to provide you with the food and water you need to flee via vehicle immediately after it strikes. Okay, so again, I'm going to disagree with the short-term disaster. There have been short-term disasters in cities where people have been able to get through. Now, it was nasty. If you remember Hurricane Sandy, um, there was there was reports, and, and you can still find them on the, on the internet, where people were talking about that uh, people were using the restroom in the hallways of their apartment complexes and stuff because there was, you know, the, the toilets were being, were backing up and all those types of things. And so, you know, th- that it was, it was really nasty and it was getting pretty dangerous and pretty crazy. Um, but that was a short term situation that, you know, they finally kind of got it under control. Again, we're talking about the real serious ones. Those are the ones that I'm saying when you're in the city here that you're going to encounter these in a very, very big, big way. Okay, so the feasibility of fleeing the city, either by vehicle or by foot, and where to go if you get out, is a topic that will be covered in greater detail below. In order to be able to prepare food and boil water, purchasing a camp stove, and an ample supply of the propane tanks necessary for it to operate. Now remember the prepping model. One is none and two is one, and buying two camping stoves and spare parts. Are you cringing right now thinking about where you are going to put 10 long-term food storage buckets, 36 cases of water, and the camping stove you need to attempt to survive even a short-term disaster? Good. That means you are an intelligent person determined to learn how to develop a survival plan that will actually work. All right, so reason number four, energy. As noted above, expect the power to go out, if not immediately, within days after an apocalyptic event. The vast majority of metropolitan areas would not permit a resident to live off-grid. When the power goes out, how will you heat your home, boil water to make it safe to drink, light the home, and prepare food? The camping stove will be a viable option as long as the propane tanks don't run dry. Unlike rural and suburban preppers, you cannot purchase a multi-fuel generator and have it hardwired to power the essentials inside the home nor can you have a wall-mounted propane heater or wood-burning stove to keep your warm or boil water and prepare food upon. If you are lucky, you have an apartment or townhouse with at least a fireplace. Now, a fireplace is not efficient enough to properly heat a home, especially during the winter. If you close off all the rooms except the one the fireplace is in and have stockpiled wood, you still have storage space, right? You will not freeze. You could burn your furniture, but it will release toxic fumes because it is treated wood and would require the opening of a window at the very least, which would let the cold in. What could you do for light and heat if you live in an urban environment during a disaster? Purchase a small portable and lightweight solar generator and place it on your balcony or fire escape. Now You better guard it 24-7 or it will probably be stolen. 
So you can run an electric space heater and a few lamps as long as the solar generator is getting enough sun. Now reason number five, freedom of movement. If you live in an apartment building, as most city dwellers do, the elevator will not work after the power goes out. Your only means of exiting and entering the property will be via the stairs or fire escape. Not only will this be a time-consuming and labor-intensive process, it will also be a highly dangerous proposition. Any thug desperate for, well, anything to help them survive or steal to use for barter will be waiting in the stairway or on the fire escape. Common street thugs will be willing, heck, some may be eager to physically attack you, rape you, and claim your apartment as their own. We have all seen the looting and violence that takes place during riots on the news. Those scenes will seem mild compared to the civil unrest that will occur during a disaster situation. Now, number six is medical emergencies. You will not be able to call 911 for help during a long-term disaster. Stockpiling over-the-counter and prescription medications, as well as common first aid items, will be essential to your very survival. You still have enough storage space left for all the medical preps. You will need to treat anything from small injuries up to a gunshot wound, right? Reason number seven, weapons. Hopefully you already have your concealed carry weapons or CCW permit. If you do not, get it ASAP. You must store enough weapons, handguns, rifles, shotguns, ammunition, knives, and even bows and arrows to protect what is yours, yourself, when you leave your dwelling and to get out of the city when you finally have to admit survival in an urban environment is not possible. Do you know how to use all of these types of weapons? If not, learn. Do you have space to store them? Ammunition, the amount you will need in order to survive, takes up a lot more space than you might think. You will also need to stockpile spare parts of your guns, learn how to fix problems on your own, and ideally purchase reloading equipment and learn how to use that as well. Unlike in rural areas, in even many suburban areas, you will probably be surrounded by more bad guys with guns than good guys and gals with legal guns. Let this fact sink in for a little bit and then start contemplating how you could relocate for your work or work from home in either the same career or a new one so you could move somewhere safer with an abundance of natural resources and be surrounded like by like-minded and prepared individuals. All right, reason number eight, bugging out. Hesitation will kill you quicker than a lack of food, sleeping cold, or even a lack of water. If you think you must live in a city for work and access to quality medical care, which does not have to be true, then you must have an exit strategy, one that has been practiced excessively, allowed for obstacles, and includes a backup contingency plan. If you wait, hoping that help is on the way, that local heroes in blue will be able to get things under control, or simply because the situation in front of you has frightened you into a state of immobility, you will die. When a disaster strikes, there will be a brief moment of collective shock. This is when you need to go if you are going. Once the shock wears off and the thousands or tens of thousands of your neighbors fully grasp the catastrophe that has occurred, it will not be safe to be out on the streets and the roads will be clogged worse than any traffic jam you have ever experienced. Fleeing when the rule of law no longer exists in society will make you and your family not only a target if trying to leave the city on foot with only what you can carry, but when you are stopped on the road in jammed traffic. What do you think the odds are of you either not running out of gas when stuck in stagnant traffic or finding a gas station that is either still functional or with pumps that are not already dry? 
You can stockpile fuel in your trunk, but when a bad guy or a bad girl decides to attack you while you are stuck in traffic and take it, you will be on foot in an environment that is just as dangerous as the one you left a few miles back in the city. So let's say you do get out. You leave quickly and beat hundreds of other panicked drivers trying to escape the city. Where will you go? Please, please, I am begging you, do not simply bug out to the woods or bug out to the country. Only those with expert survival skills would make it living in the woods, and even such learned preppers or veterans would still be facing possibly insurmountable obstacles. Every state park or national park in the country will become filled with frightened temporary survivors who left their homes with nowhere to go. Instead of a threat being present around every streetlight, it will now be lurking around every tree. If you know how to hunt and are lucky enough to bag a deer before the population is overly taxed and disappears, that guy behind the tree could be willing to kill you for it or at least hurt you to get it. Simply because the water in a stream or pond in the woods, state park, or national park is clear, that does not mean it is safe to drink. You will have to pack both enough survival gear and knowledge to garner clean water, food, wild edibles, to build a shelter, the cabins and tents at the park will disappear quickly, and you might have to fight to the death to keep it, build a fire, etc. So many novices trying to shoot game and build fires will likely lead to copious amounts of accidental deaths and even destroy the very woods you counted on to keep you alive. As for the bugging out to the country, faux survival plan, that can get you killed as well. Do not think for a single moment all of the millions of country folks like myself will not be standing armed on the country line to prevent the marauding hordes, good people or not, from the city and the suburbs from coming into our area. We will protect our natural resources fiercely because the lives of those we love depend on it. For the sake of argument, let's assume you were lucky enough to get to a state park in time to set up a camp or score a cabin to stay in. How long will the food you carried in on your back keep you alive? Would it last long enough to kill enough wild game and find enough wild edibles that no one could take from you and preserve it until you could plant crops with the seeds you carried in and tend to them without getting them stolen? What if the SHTF event occurred during the winter? Now that changes things a bit, doesn't it? Although there are fewer of them, wild edibles do grow in the winter. Not all game hibernates, so you could still hunt. But the readily available food sources you were counting on to supplement what you carried in and planned on growing will be significantly diminished. I recently read an article about urban survival that tried really hard to find some pros to add to a long list of cons. I think I laughed out loud several times when the writer made some urban to rural prepping environmental comparisons. First, the preparedness writer claimed it would be a lot easier to scavenge needed materials like scrap metal, fencing, and batteries in the city. This guy really must have not spent much time away outside of the city if he does not think most country folks keep ample of this type of scrap around in their backyards, pole barns, and at one of the many junk and scrap yards that dot the rural landscape like chain stores do in metropolitan areas. The second survival-related chuckle I was unable to stifle was when the writer claimed urban buildings will be better at stopping bullets because they are made out of concrete. Urban buildings sure are taller and yes, some boast incredibly thick concrete that will provide protection from incoming fire. But a lot of country folk build their homes out of poured concrete walls because of both cost and to keep the interior of the home cool in the summer. There are also many brick homes and log homes that were built with either a concrete wall covered by thin timber or incredibly thick hardwood. 
One of the major differences between urban dwellings and suburban and rural ones is that we can walk out onto our acre or into spacious backyards without the threat posed by a dense population that has struggled with the high crime rate by taking only a few steps, not thousands of steps, down a pitch black stairwell into the dangerous unknown. The goal of this article is not to land blast your plans to try to survive in an urban environment but to educate you about what it will take so you can devise a better plan and join the rest of the prepared Americans who already know living in a city is a recipe for death during an SHTF event. We want you to join us in the Survivors Club so you have some major life decisions to begin making right now. If you absolutely cannot move, and really, I think that you could if you made some lifestyle choices that would likely greatly benefit your overall health and quality of living in the end, Consider buying rural land and creating a rural bug out retreat or leasing space from a rural resident who is willing to let you park a camper on the land year round. You need somewhere to go and store the survival items you need and a space to learn and hone the survival skills you and your family will need to make it through the doomsday event and beyond. Build up a relationship with the community where you buy or the person you are leasing from. Get your face seen around town and always carry proof that you own or lease in the area so you can make it across a security guard after the SHTF. All right, so a lot to take in there. I would say that, again, in in a short-term disaster situation, this, this article doesn't apply. This article is going to apply if you know, if if the big one really happens, then I can see all these things really, really happening where there's going to be some issues there. And depending on the the nature of the disaster, that's going to determine how fast things degrade, right? So if it's something like a pandemic where people are shut up in in their homes uh, for, you know, that's going to possibly keep people at bay for a while, keep them inside for a while. Although once they start getting desperate, if they don't have food and and things like that, they will start venturing out because they're going to need to be able to, you know, eat and and stuff like that. But, you know, a short term uh, disaster. No, I don't think this this article would apply. So I go back to, you know, looking at articles like from Venezuela, where in the city things are still you know, people are still surviving, although they are barely making it. A lot of people have left Venezuela. I go back to uh, Fernando Aguirre, where he talked about Argentina, and he said the best thing for them was to uh, their communities was to uh, pay for security guards to be able to have 24-7 monitoring. And so, you know, maybe it was a gated community and they had, they had guards and guards were protecting their homes and, and different things like that. He said that the people that lived out in the country, those were the, the places that were hit the most. People would go out there and they would steal from them or they would kill them or they would do whatever, all the bad stuff that they wanted to do. The people that were out in the rural communities. So, you know, in in a situation like that, yeah, you know, you would probably want to stay in the city. One of the things that he said is that when supplies did come, they first came to the big cities. So if you are in a situation where it is not, where things are still moving and, and, and supplies are still possible to come into the city, then yeah, I can see that where the city is going to be the place where you would want to hang out. But if, you know, all things go downhill and it's the big one, then yeah, you're going to face every single one of these things even more. 
So one of the things that I was thinking about is uh, we had a friend, an older friend. My wife had an older uh, lady that she knew, family friend, who lived in a, a retirement home, but it was like apartments. And so when we had, uh, I think it was Hurricane Ike, when we lost a lot of our electricity and things like that, they lost water. And she was like on the third or fourth floor and they lost water going all the way up there. So people had to take buckets and I mean, she was elderly, so she wasn't able to do it. People were having to help, you know, take buckets of water and go around to residents and, and give them water so that they can have to drink and also so that they can flush their toilets and things like that. The other thing that I, I wasn't mentioned here, but I alluded to it earlier when we talked about uh, when I mentioned Hurricane Sandy is sanitation. Uh, if you're in an apartment complex or wherever, even this is even going to apply in suburban settings, because I would uh, venture to say if it the poop had really hit the fan, if it was truly the end of the world as we know it, you know, even suburban situ, you know, uh, homes are going to have an issue. Um, you would really need to uh, get your community together and really get them uh, to organize very, very quickly to do those, you know, you know armed guards and, and have people protecting the, uh, the community and, and entrances in and out and all that kind of stuff. But you're still going to face a lot of these things, right? A lot of people aren't prepared. And so they're going to be hungry and they're going to be, uh, you know, wanting to find food. Uh, you're going to need to, you know, there's not a lot of gardening space a lot of the times, or even if, the, even if there is, you're going to have to tear up yards and stuff like that. That's going to take time. If it's wintertime, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, right? But the thing that I always go back to is sanitation. Because if, you know, if you are using your restroom in a you're even an urban or even in a suburban situation and you don't have a septic tank and you are using you know you have a sewer and it's going to a pumping station uh, a water you know a waste treatment uh, pumping station and all that good stuff then that is going to eventually break down because eventually you know power will go out and things will start backing up they will back up into your homes and that is a very dangerous place to be. So then when you have all this fecal matter coming up, you know, through your, your pipes and stuff like that, that is very dangerous. So um, at the very least, you would want to stop that before things started coming up your way. Right. And so there are um, you know, pipes and stuff like that, you know, like uh, you, there's clean out pipes where you can uh, you can block the sewer from coming back into your home. Now, the bad, the bad part about that is that you can't use it going out. And so, you know, whatever. But so the, the real issue becomes when people don't have a place to go to the restroom, where, where are they going to go? And you can be doing everything you can. You could have the five-gallon bucket and poop it in the bucket with a plastic bag and all that kind of stuff. That's a very temporary. Where are you going to put all those plastic bags if there's not, you know, trash coming to pick all those up, right? There's not, you know, a trash service coming to pick all those up. So then eventually what people are going to do, they're going to start going to the restroom outside. And so you might not know where exactly that is, but you wind up walking all, you know, walking in that eventually, and then you wind up bringing that into your home and then getting sick. And so that is, I think that is a big problem that people would face in, in uh, you know, the end of the world as we know it in our, you know, suburban areas, in our urban areas. Sanitation would be a very, very big thing 
to consider. And so, you know, when people talk about going out into the country and bugging out and uh, man, the the best thing would be right to to have a bug out retreat or a location so that, you know, you can go to that. And, and the, the ideal thing is to read the signs, be paying attention. So at the moment's notice, you can pick up and leave and go out to your bug out location. But you know that that's not, things don't always work perfectly like you planned. So that might not be the answer either. So I like what she was talking about here at the very end. She was saying you need to have a plan. You need to think these things through. But you need to be able to to be reasonable when you're thinking these things through. So buying, you know, a, a bucket of food storage is not going to get you through the apocalypse. You need to really think things through long term if that is one of the things, one of the reasons you're prepping for. There's some people that prep, they come to Prepper website, they listen to the podcast and they're like, Todd, I'm not worried about the end of the world as we know it. I am worried about more short term you know, issues. I'm more concerned about natural disasters. I, I, I see the, um, the earthquakes, I see the hurricanes, I see the flooding. That's what I'm preparing for. And I totally understand that. You know, some people don't want to think about the the really, really, you know, the end of the world, the hammer dropping, the balloon going up, whatever you call it, zombie apocalypse, whatever you want to say. Some people don't want to go there or don't ever believe that that's going to happen. But some of you do. And some of you need to think about it. If, if you do think that way and you think that that might be a possibility in the future, well, then you need to think about all of these things and you need to approach it from a proper perspective you know you need to approach it with having all of the information so that you can make a good decision and you can build a good plan all right guys so again like i said that's over at modernsurvivalonline.com i'm going to link to it in the show notes and you can go check that out maybe you might want to read this one just a little bit more carefully and uh you know consider this one well that is it for episode 421 hey don't forget to subscribe to the show you can head on over to the Prepper website, podcast.com, and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.